Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Today, I have a wonderful guest. His name is Joel Evan. He is a health coach and integrative health practitioner who helps his clients get to the root cause of their issues, whether it's weight loss, gut health, or even something more serious like autoimmune conditions, so that they can start living the best version of themselves. Joel is also the host of the Hacked Life podcast, where he's had the chance to sit down with some of the leading health experts in the world, such as Dave Asprey, James Altucher, and Dave Meltzer. His motto is live healthy, live happy. Joel, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Let's go, Dana. I'm excited. It's great to be here. Thank you for that amazing introduction. You know, I was listening and, and reading your bio earlier, and I was really interested you pointed out the root cause of issues as being something that was really kind of like something you were going after, which is one of mine as well, being a psychotherapist. And I kind of got wondering, is there a correlation between your desire to find people's root causes and also the title of your podcast, The Hacked Life? Yeah. So it's actually, I almost think they're opposite, right? In a, in a way, and I'm going to explain why. So one, why am I so passionate about root causes? Well, I have I grew up in the western medical, you know, model, you know. I went to get my checkups and was I remember I mean, as a kid I I was I had earaches all the time. I was just in taking penicillin all the, I just remember always taking penicillin. When I was 10, I had um what's caused what's what they called abnormal bone growth. So in my leg, if you think of like the big the femur bone, now imagine that my left inner thigh, there was this knot in the inner in the inner part of my leg and my parents thought, "Oh, well Joel plays baseball, he probably just got a knot in his leg, a ball hit him." Well, after a while that knot never went away. And so when they did x-rays, the doctor goes, "Oh man, you've got a bone that's growing out sideways out of your leg." "Oh, no problem though. We'll just go in and we'll just chisel it off and that's it." What was the explanation? Ah, stuff like that happens, right? So again, that was kind of how I, I I was always an active kid, athletic, but my diet was trash, my nutrition was trash, and never understood why I was always sick and had all these issues. But when I got to into like about eighteen, I started getting into bodybuilding, which taught me about you know weightlifting, nutrition, and bodybuilding is not perfect, but it started me on the path to natural health. And then I was always just fascinated with with natural health. I think I just got into a lot of podcasts, a lot of reading. But what really struck me is I remember my mom, maybe back in, man, it was, I mean, over a decade ago now, she got, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I just remember thinking, this is, this is terrible. I know a lot about natural health. I know like you should be taking glutathione. You should be taking oregano oil for certain, you know, cures and all this. But at the end of the day, I didn't know how to get people better. And like that upset me. I'm like, I, I don't use the Western model anymore. I had completely transitioned from that. I, I wasn't ever going to the hospital when I was sick. I think the other big thing was having my first kid eight years ago, which also made me realize like I, I wanted to just be a better model of health and like understand 
at a root cause level, how do you get people better? Because let's face it, and I love this this quote, when I interviewed Dr. Robert Rowan, who's a famous functional medicine doctor and ozone specialist, that's what he's most known for. He said, Joel, I'll give you $100 right now if you can name any disease that a pharmaceutical has cured. And he's like, you can't. And I've never lost that bet. And so again, that goes back to what I'm talking about. The Western model's never gotten anybody better. And mm -hmm. I'm, a lot of the people I work with have diabetes, which is a lifestyle disease. They're on blood pressure meds, di diabetic uh, medications, statins. None of these have ever gotten people better or, or rejuvenated their health, right? But from a root cause issue and some of the things I do and a lot of other practitioners, yeah, we can get you off those meds and you'll get better. So that's what I want to see. I want to see people get to that root cause level and flourish and get better permanently, not just take a pill and we'll just kind of mask the symptoms. So that's the first part of your question. Then you talk about the hack life. Well, I think that's almost the opposite of what I do because in a way, if you think about it, hacks, I love this. I love hacks. I love, and the, mm -hmm. that term originated from the term biohacking, which is not transhumanism. Like a lot of people think it was coined by Dave Asprey, who is the godfather of, of biohacking. And, and he was a computer hacker and he had all these health issues and he spent thousands and thousands of dollars trying to get himself better. And what he discovered is that by hacking his body, similar to the way a computer hacker would, that's the way he thought of it. So hacking his biology, there you go, biohacking, mm. using things like red light therapy, cryotherapy, pulse electromagnetic field therapy, ozone therapy, all these like kind of crazy things, he was able to get himself better. And so I love that. And I love how some of the times, and I was just on a podcast the other day, we were talking about this, like you will never get better from hacks. And I want to make people very clear with that. I understand that. You will not hack your way through candida yeast overgrowth. You will not hack your way through cancer. I can't tell you, oh, take some glutathione. That's a great hack to boost your immunity. Yeah, it is. Are you going to get rid of your cancer doing that? No. You have to have systems and protocols, and you have to develop mastery to get there. I completely understand that, and I believe in that. But the neat thing is for a lot of people, if they just get a hack or they learn this sleep hack or they learn this nutrition hack, that can be the jettison or the 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 launch launching um, pad for them to start their health journey and get better. And they might learn something from your podcast, my podcast, or someone else's, and they start to accumulate all these hacks. And then guess what? They start to get better. And over time, they can develop that mastery. So that's what I'm all about. And if I can just make people one percent better every day, I mean, imagine at the end of the year what what you'll be able to accomplish. That compound interest, right? Well, you know, listening to you talk is so interesting because I'm sitting here thinking that there are so many preventive um, options out there that, to be honest, it gets really overwhelming because you have people, I would include myself in this group, that are very interested in those types of things, but it's just coming at you right and left, right and left, and everybody has something different, something different, something different, and you don't know which way to turn. You don't know what's legitimate. You don't know what's research backed. And so it's so overwhelming. And I, I did want to say that sometimes, and I think of TikTok as having a lot of hacks, you know, Yeah. and it's just sort of like, sometimes something like that, a hack brings something down into something small so that we can then, and I'm going to compare it and this is going to sound kind of strange, but for people that know me, they know I'm strange and I'm welcome that that's perfectly <laughs> fine. I own that. <laughs> But it's sort of like when you think about fashion, because 
also people that know me know that I hate shopping. I loathe it. And so any kind of fashion related thing, I'm just over, I'm already over my head at the word fashion. And so hacking something that something small that I can see, oh, okay. So I, I take this and I wear it with that. I can swallow that. I can understand that. So it kind of breaks it down into something smaller. So then I can start to begin piece by piece by piece, seeing the larger picture. So I'm wondering with you, if the hacks that you provide and what you're, you know, talking about, bring something that's very overwhelming down to where people can take one small bite at a time, sometimes literally to get to a better place with their health. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, and it was funny. I was just talking to a friend about this who is in a completely different space. He's actually trying to help people understand and the youth understand finance and how to like really make money. He does real estate. And he said, you know, I don't really talk about real estate and, and my, on my Instagram and stuff. But what I do show is me going to all these parties and driving nice cars. And in my head, I'm like, that's, that's ridiculous. That's just in my, I'm, I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking in my head as he's telling me, I'm like, that's just ridiculous. Like, like give people some <laughs> educational content. But he said, listen, Joel, I'm trying to get them hooked to like me, to understand me. Then once I have them in my world, then I'm going to give them that content. Right. So I think it's kind of the same thing, right? Especially in this TikTok world, we have 15 seconds. You actually have less. They say it's like three seconds to hook somebody into watching one of your videos or whatever. And so if you just look at the average like TikTok video in this generation and attention span and, and uh, dopamine, I just did a great podcast on, on dopamine and how that leads to motivation and how, especially with kids in this TikTok era, if they have to watch more and more of it because their dopamine baseline is now so high that in order to reach that dopamine baseline, they have to watch even more TikTok, right? So we're, we are losing people's attention span quickly and we have to hook them within those first three seconds. So if I can hook them with a top three sleep hacks or top three this gut health hacks, right? That's going to be a great way to, again, like you said, mm-hmm. start the conversation mm-hmm. and nudge them a little bit because if they can just start making those small changes and they're like, whoa, you know, I started taking melatonin because Joel recommended it and man, I'm sleeping better. Let me go back and watch what else he's doing. Mm -hmm. And they keep coming back and they keep coming back. So I, I think it's, it's a great, it's a great, great strategy. Yeah. Well, and something else too, that I was thinking when you were talking about the medication, because again, I'm a psychotherapist and I know that there are some times that medication is needed just like you were talking earlier, like sometimes if someone has cancer or they have, you know, some medications are needed in certain situations. But having said that, I'm not a huge medication pusher with regard to psychotherapy because that is never going to get to the core of what's causing the problem. Yeah. Medication in some ways now, if you're talking about depression, sometimes people's dopamine, like you mentioned, or their serotonin is out of whack genetically. They just have this really kind of crap uh, genetic heritage. And so they need something to give them balance that your average person has normally anyway. So that's legit. But sometimes when we're talking about more anti-anxiety medication, that's my field is, is that's my expertise area is dealing with anxiety issues and and panic and traumas and that kind of thing. Mm. So when people, rather than dealing with the core, what causes the fear, what causes the anxiety, let's dig into that. Rather than that, they're taking a pill that's like spraying Novocaine on a, a nasty wound 
well, you can only do that so long and the wound is eventually going to, it's going to get systemic. You're going to get infected. It's going to get systemic and you're going to have a much bigger issue. So I am totally on board with what you're saying Yeah, with the medication. Yeah. I mean, perfect example. And I, I love what you said. It's like sometimes, and I think really good psychotherapists like yourself understand that like, hey, I might have to use this maybe even as a hack, right? Or at least just to get us through this difficult period. But you're not stopping with all the other things that you're doing, maybe the cognitive behavioral therapy and all the other things to help unpeel that trauma or EMDR and all these other good modalities, right? You're using that in conjunction with the medication with the hope that, hey, we're going to, you're going to get you off of that. Because we know like long-term is, it's not going to, like you said, it's not going to do anything. And I love how you said, yeah, it can go systemic and then you've got a, you've got a real problem. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you had something you had mentioned um, in some of your information that you had on Podmatch about helping to uh, break through plateaus. And I know this is a huge thing with people because they might start something, they might get some information and they're, they're, you know, they're going and they're excited and they're moving and shaking. Then they reach the dreaded plateau. And then, then it's just that plateau is deadly because if they can't figure out a way to move beyond it, they start, their motivation starts going straight down. They start thinking, why should I make all these sacrifices? Why should I go and do all this extra stuff when I'm not seeing any result? And anybody would think the same way. Why do that if I'm not seeing a result? So then they just quit everything and yeah. backslide. I mean, that plateau is deadly. So I'm really interested <laughs> to hear what you have to say about that. I love that you brought this up. So actually, I'm in the process of writing a book that'll be launched at the top of next year. And it's really going to be about how to lose weight holistically for the CEOs, the entrepreneurs, the, the, the busy, motivated professionals, right? Because they don't have time to count macros and do all what I, some of these things like counting calories. I think it's just ridiculous. I don't, people have families. They, they don't have the time to be doing this. They want to be healthy, but they want to do it in a practical sense. And so I really want to give that gift. And so I was just writing the first chapter on, on what we're talking about, which is mindset. And I think the mindset piece is, is huge. And there's this quote I really like, and it, the, the quote is, the discipline to stay disciplined is a discipline that very few can master. <laughs> Let that sink in. Wow. Yeah. And so here's the thing. And, and my book, the funny thing about it is I don't really even think of it as like a weight loss book, but I'm, I'm, I'm tying that in because that's a lot of people we know. I mean, there's a stat out there right now. 88% of Americans are metabolically unfit. That is atrocious. I mean, that's a tragedy. We also saw in the pandemic, 70% of people that were like hospitalized had some prior metabolic condition. They were the ones that suffered the most, had the like worst cytokine storm you can imagine. They 70% of those people had some metabolic issue, heart disease, diabetes, all those things that we, we know, high blood pressure, right? So I want to tackle that on this front. But this concept can be used, talking about plateaus, this concept can be used with health, wealth, success, anything when you think about it. So here's the thing, and this is what we were talking about. What I like to tell clients is you're on this path of exponential growth. And so if we were to draw anybody that's watching on video, if we were to draw that, I'm kind of drawing a line here. Just imagine like this is the growth curve, right? And it starts like steady, steady, steady. And then you go up exponentially. You hit success. You're losing weight. Your career's on fire. Your marriage, whatever. Everything is just going great. That's exponential growth. Like you're just crushing it. 
And so what does that take? It takes time and then, of course, growth, the, what you're putting in. Well, here's the thing. If you look at the curve, you, most people are like right there where you're talking about. They just started a new diet. They just started implementing new habits or whatever. They've been going for a couple of weeks. Maybe it's the New Year syndrome, right? They just start their new routine. They're just <laughs> starting out. And they're doing okay. And then let's just say they get on the scale and they're like, oh my God, like I put on all this work. I did all this effort and like nothing really happened. Like for the amount of work I did, Joel, like this is ridiculous. That's like, it. That's nothing it. Nothing really happened. Or I started all these new habits and that's it. I, I saved $50. I thought I, mm-hmm. I thought by now I, w- I, w- I would be like, you know, thousands of dollars saved. Well, here's the problem, guys. You're on a path of exponential growth. And so when you look at that growth curve, you're kind of like in the middle. And so if you turn your back and you look behind and you and you look back on that growth curve, well, guess what? It looks like you didn't really come that far because the curve is very flat. It's just starting to kind of like go up, but the curve is very flat because you're looking backwards. You're looking this way. And so it looks like, man, I didn't accomplish anything. And then the, the worst part too, like you just said, right at that middle point in that curve, the other part of the curve is you look up and you're like, I got to lose 50 pounds. I got to lose 20 pounds. I need to make $100,000. Oh my God, that's that growth curve is just so steep. I'll never get there. And they just mm-hmm. crap themselves out. Mm-hmm. That's the point where you're talking about. That's the yes. point where you're just, you look back, nothing happened. You look forward, it's just looking too steep and scary. And we start to go, we start to live in fear. We start to go back into lack. We start to go into scarcity and we start to tune into these old limiting beliefs. What you don't understand and what you don't realize is that you're just one hit. You're just one more day, one more effort put in from exponential growth. You're just one more hit from breaking through that wall, but you just can't see it. You just don't know. So how do you do that? You've got to keep stoking the flame. And that's why every day I wake up in the morning and I do a lot of mindset work. I do a lot of visualization. I do subconscious reprogramming, affirmations. And some people say, oh, that's just, you know, affirmations, visualizations. Come on, that's just ridiculous. Well, that is what I'm doing to reprogram my subconscious because guess what? I have all the same beliefs all of you have. I grew up as a kid with the belief that I'm not good enough. How do you think the idea of I'm not good enough shows up in my business, my marriage, my health? All the time. So I've got to be reprogramming that subconscious and telling myself a different story, right? And so when people are reaching those plateaus, the bottom line is, one is they don't realize they're on the path to exponential growth and they just can't see it. They don't realize that they're just one more hit away. And then the second thing is they're going back and they're living in their past. They're living in old beliefs that don't matter and they need to take on a new concept, a new idea. I love this. I told... um I told Joel before that I was going to be taking notes as he would say things so that I, you know, I can pop in with, with my comments and I'm, I'm so busy taking notes. My page is so full of stuff. I just love what you're saying. And it really, it reminds me of a couple of things. One, it reminds me of listening to uh, James Altucher and how he, oh my gosh, his story, guys, if you have not heard his story, you've got to listen to it. And he has kind of an odd last name, so I'm going to spell it. It's A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R. And he is so real. And he's he's been down and up and down and up. And his theme is basically just keep effing going, basically. Just keep going. And that's kind of what you're saying. And it also reminds me of when I was very first starting out in 
podcasting. And I was listening to a lot of uh, workshops and seminars and trying to educate myself. And what is this podcast stuff? And what do we do? And what? And one of the things they said was, I forget the percentage, but it was a very, very large percentage of people that quit right before they have success. That if the you average just number of podcasts going, is seven podcasts. Be- what you're talking about, it's seven podcasts before people will. The average podcast uh, lasts seven episodes and then they quit, to what you're saying. Wow. Yeah. And see, that's kind of what I hear you saying right now is just keep going. And something else that I heard in there that you might want to talk a little bit more about is, and it was particularly interesting to me as a psychotherapist, because we were talking about the past stuff, talking about basically, I see people that they have, they get triggered. They have things in the past that are still haunting them. And I won't spend a whole lot of time talking about it today, but I like to talk to my patients about a boardroom they have in their head where they have all these different parts of their mind in there, not schizophrenia, not multiple personality, dissociative identity, yep. nothing like that, but just different parts of ourselves that that send us certain messages. And sometimes we have trauma-based old parts in there that are saying things like, you can't do this. You're not any good. You think you're going to do this, but you're really not. So just go ahead and give up now and save yourself the, the embarrassment and the shame. These are messages that most of us have from time to time, and it gets hard to come against those. And that's kind of what I hear you saying is part of the reason why people aren't able to push that past that plateau. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, we were talking just offline. We we're talking about, I have two young boys and we were talking about parenting and what that looks like. I mean, just from a simple sense of parenting, like I was raised in a different way. And so my rate, I was raised in a household that was, you know, do as I say. And if you don't, then there's consequences or you might get spanked or something like that. And so that is a very fear-based approach. And so I had a good, healthy fear of my dad wasn't traumatic or anything. Well, some people would say that that's a form of, of trauma, but it wasn't, I want to make it clear, like I wasn't beaten as a kid or anything like that. Um, but that was very standard, right? And now there's a different mode of parenting. We're trying to parent our kids in a way where they don't live in fear and that they're, we don't want them to have a healthy fear of their dad. They need to know their dad is on their team and he's their friend. But here's the thing. I tell my kid to go do something and I might get a completely like negative reaction. Like, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? Like, no. Like, and um, it's, it's like, whoa, like immediately, guess what? I get triggered. Why? Because I was not raised that way. My default mode is you do, I'm used to that. Do what I say or there'll be a consequence. I'm not parenting that way now. So I get triggered. Like you said, I have to constantly be asking myself, why am I getting triggered? Oh, guess what? It's my own story from my own past that's coming up because of the way I was parented, the way those beliefs. And as you know, Dana, zero to seven is a huge point where a child's brain is developing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, someone would say, some experts would say, hey, like that's like where your personality is basically like cemented. Of course, the brain changes. We know that it can adapt, but those beliefs, those subconscious beliefs are like pretty much embedded in there. And so, you know, I have beliefs like this is the way it's supposed to go. And so that automatically, I automatically get triggered and I have to catch myself just from a parenting perspective and say, okay, what's, what's really happening here? Why am I getting so triggered? Oh yeah, that's why. And now I think a big thing for me is now I have to redirect that. Right. Um, I think there's a, the great, uh, God, what's his name? He has the, the, the parenting book. Um, God, what's his name? Daniel, 
Goldman? <sighs> not Goldman. No, uh, he he's was cut a, emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. It's not Daniel Goldman. I have it here somewhere. He's got a couple of it. He's got the yes brain. Oh, the power of Daniel J. Siegel. Thank you. So oh, Daniel okay. J. Siegel uh, talks about that, like, you know, uh, redirecting, right? And so I have to redirect myself constantly and just catch myself in those moments and, and realize, like, what's happening? Why is that showing up, right? So a big thing for me is, uh, which is not my natural state. I mean, I am a funny person, but not as a parent. And so infusing humor into my kid's life, any, anytime I infuse humor, I mean, I get so much further with them and they, they get, they, then they actually do what I say. So it's, it's really interesting. Right. So that's just a simple example of, yeah, those, how those beliefs come up. Right. Yeah. And I love the, what you're talking about humor, because like I said, a few minutes ago, anxiety is something that I deal with a lot with my patients and anxiety and humor cannot really coexist if you're upset about something or whatever, and you present humor. So humor does have a whole lot of um, benefits in, in addition to what you're talking about. You know, I had another question for you. You said something that you were prepared to answer a question that you're prepared to answer was, when do I take the jump to go all in? And that was very appealing to me because that that is scary. And as as podcasters, we know we're kind of faced with this various elements of this along the way. And it is a thing trying to figure out when do you take the jump to go all in? And I'm imagining people that you've talked to, you know, clients of yours and people that are listening, you know, my listening audience, and they might be facing different things in their life in different situations and thinking, well, should I, could I, do I, do I, do I have what it takes? What if I don't? And how do I make that decision? So I was really, really drawn to that particular question. And I'm really wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Excellent question. So, you know, I, I tell the story too, for a, a lot of people that don't know, I lost my job during the pandemic. I had a very steady, you know, uh, nine to five job, if you want to call it that. And, uh, you know, I lost my job and luckily though, in the, in the background, I had already been creating my side business. I had been building my podcast. I had been building my health coaching business and been getting certifications and coaching people on the side. So I wasn't necessarily not prepared, but it was still a scary moment. Like, wow, like this again, this is what I know. Like this has been my life for 15 years. The belief that I walked, we talk about beliefs. The belief that I walked around with was get a good job, get a pension, have medical benefits, have a 401k, get a white picket fence, retire at 50 and you have a great life, right? That's what I was told. That was the belief. Well, what if that was all wrong? What if and I think this is what happens to a lot of people. They all of a sudden turn 40. They call it the midlife crisis. I don't really believe in that, but you know, 30, 40, and they start asking themselves, holy cow, what have I been doing for the last 40 years of my life? Whose life am I living? And so I yeah. think people need to ask that question. I asked myself that question a lot. I said, you know, what do I really want? I'll give you an example too. I moved to a different state. A lot of people move state to states when they retire, they're like, oh, I'm going to retire in another state and live the good life. I started asking myself a different question. Why can't I start living the good life right now? Why do I have to <laughs> wait till I'm 50 to start living the good life? That ever this Again, these terms, this is all like man-made. These are beliefs that have been systemically brought down from other people, including our parents' generation, right? Our parents program us too and tell us, go do these things. Get a good job, Joel. Get a pension. Get a 401k. Like These are ideas and concepts taught to us by parents, authority figures, the media, 
And we're just bred into the system. So I think a lot of people in that midlife crisis state, they start to ask them all of a sudden, they're like, I'm not fulfilled with what I'm doing. This is not the life I wanted to live. And so you have to start asking yourself, who has been telling you that whose belief have you been taking on that that's the idea or that's the life you should be living? So I started to ask myself those questions and got some really good answers. And so I realized... I don't need a pension to be successful. I don't need medical benefits per se. That doesn't mean I'm successful. Me being successful is aligning with my truth and living the highest version of me. What does that look like? It looks like what really what I'm doing right now, having these amazing interviews and talking with people like you and sharing my gift of transforming people's lives in that health coaching setting. So that's that's for me one of the big things that I did. And I would just say, I think you have to ask yourself some hard questions. When I lost my job, and made this big move, moved to different states, completely left the nine to five job. Again, look how many beliefs I'm talking about that I had to give up. And so what I asked myself personally was, well, what's, what's the worst that can happen? And the worst that can happen, I realized was I would lose all my money. And I'm like, man, that's scary. <sighs> Don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you do? I have a family of, you know, there's four of us, like, how do I support these people? But what made me smile was I realized, guess what? I still have my health. I have my family. That didn't get taken away. I have my soul. They can't take away my love. You can take away my job. You can take away my money. But guess what? I know how to make money again. And so that reinvigorated me. Even though I knew anybody that knows that the, that's an entrepreneur knows that it's not linear and that you have these waves, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur is a roller coaster. You have these highs and you have these lows. And so that, again, feeds back into the mindset piece because when you do have those lows, what's going to keep you going and reminding you that you are on this path to greatness? And every time I will say in the last two years, I've noticed this, it's been magnified. Anytime I align with my truth and I align with who I say I am and I lean into the fear, even when it's uncomfortable, only good things have happened and I've aligned with more people that are in my tribe and that make me better. And, and then I'm able to, you know, help them as well. Oh man, Joel, I just, I love what you're saying because I tell my patients regularly, instead of trying to avoid something you're scared of because it makes you uncomfortable instead of running away from discomfort. And I literally use the words you just said, lean into it lean into it. And yes, you're uncomfortable, but it doesn't last. If you just kind of lean into it and wait, the discomfort will pass and then you become stronger in the end. But I also wanted to make a comment. You were talking about asking the hard questions and challenging beliefs. And I think this is so, so crucial to people that are wanting to become a better version of who they are. They're challenging, like you said, do I have to do this? Do I have to go there? Do I have to live here? According to whom? Right. And that, that extends even more is like, well, you know, I encourage people to say, well, oh my gosh, what if I, what if I fail? And I, and I sit there with right. them and I'm looking at them. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's ask, what if you do? And they're yeah. looking at me and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and I'm like, okay, answer the question. That's a question. Answer it. Because I said, what if I walk into a room and everybody thinks I'm stupid or thinks I'm ugly or whatever, and I'm okay? Imagine, what if they do? That's a question. Answer it. <laughs> right. And so I love the fact that you're really encouraging people to challenge those beliefs and ask those hard questions and not just ask them, but answer them. 
when you look at it, it's very simple, but most of us will not do it, right? We, we, are, we are very much on autopilot, and people mm-hmm. don't even realize we are fed into systems that either someone else has created for us, and we've just kind of like, oh, like fall into the system, go get it, go to college, get good grades, graduate college, get a nine to five job. Like, again, I, I didn't know all these things. Being an entrepreneur for me was, was not normal in my family. When I, w- I remember when I was in my early 20s and I was like, I, I kind of want to be an entrepreneur, but I, there was no like, um, at the time anyways, now you have all these entrepreneur, um, you know, social media that will tell you like, hey, come do this. But at the time for me anyways, and I probably wasn't asking the right questions. I didn't know like what I'm like, what is, I want to have a business. I think that's what I want to do, but I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know how you can do that. Then I, you know, fell into the nine to five trap. I don't want to say it's a trap for some people. It's amazing. For me, I think it was a trap. Um, I had a very good, successful career, so I'm not mad about it, but fell into the trap. And then as I had kids and I started to listen to other podcasters and connect with other amazing people, I'm like, I could do what this guy does. Matter of fact, I actually wanted to. I just didn't know you could make money doing it, right? So, I mean, that's the thing. When you start opening yourself and, you know, if you can, if you believe in vibration or the law of attraction, when you start opening yourself up to these possibilities, and really, I think the big thing is most of us are just interfering with it. And so you just, we don't need to add more into our life. We just need to remove the interference. And when you start to subtract some of those things and you remove that interference, man, amazing things happen. Joel, that is amazing. Now I have one more question for you and then we'll kind of wrap up and I'll tell my listeners how to go find more about you and what you have to offer because it's just amazing. Two of my three kids are on what appears to be an entrepreneurial type of a path. They didn't choose the typical, you know, you graduate high school, then you go to four years of college, maybe six years of college, then you get the nine to five job. That's just not their personalities. But I've watched them struggle at times with believing in themselves and the unknown. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you have that kind of spirit. You have this desire and this this craving to do something beyond the nine to five cubicle. And again, yep. some for some people, the nine to five cubicle is amazing. They love it. It gives them very much structure and they, they produce a lot in, in that area. But that's not for everyone. So on behalf of two of my three kids, I would like to hear what you have to say in encouraging others out there that have that same spirit where they're just not fitting into the rigid expectations of old. They have more of an entrepreneurial spirit, but yet there's no guarantee. That's part of being an entrepreneur is there's no one coming along saying, okay, here you do this and then you do this and this is going to happen. Then you do this. It's very much kind of like, open and it's scary sometimes when someone is going down that path and they don't know what's going to happen. And it's, it's kind of daunting. What what is your advice? Oh man, I got a great, I got a a lot of good answers for you. One, get a mentor, right? Find someone who's already done it and just replicate what they've already done. That's step number one. That's the easiest path to growth. Everybody knows that hire a coach. Uh, I've invested in myself so much over the last two years. And then I kind of laugh. I'm like, man, I spent a lot of money. Like I'm talking like $30,000 probably in the amount of coaching and different things I've done. And I'm like, that's a lot of money. I don't even know if I have that money, but the growth that I've had and I always, and what makes me kind of think back to this is I think everyone, uh, people play life cheap and I don't want to say that might sound condescending or like, well, Joel, I don't have that kind of money. Believe me. You, you have money. The idea that you don't have enough money, that's just a belief too. 
If I told you right now that the government is going to take out your left eye in a week, but you got to pay me 10 grand on it, let's just say I'm the government on the IRS, <laughs> and you need to come up with 10 grand in a week, you got to figure it out. Um, guess what? I guarantee 99% of the people out there, they would figure out a way to beg, borrow. They might even steal. Sorry. But <laughs> they would figure out a way to get this money. They would, they would sell, they would do, go out and do a garage sale. They would go ask their mom. They would go, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, like yes. the idea I don't have enough money. I've, I've had, I had a client who didn't have enough money to afford coaching with me. And she had a lot of issues, depression, all these things. And I said, wow, we, we, we got to get you. you. You need this. You need this. Not because I need the money. You need this. And I said, you know, Amazon is hiring right now and they're doing like a $2,000 signing bonus. Like, why can't you go do that? The next day she went out and got a job. Like she didn't even know about Amazon until I told her. Right. But like that is, it's possible is what I'm saying. And so, so not having enough money, that's just a belief. So number one, get a mentor. Number two, take messy action. People, this goes back to what James Altucher talks about. Life is an experiment. He talks, it's just as funny because I was actually looking at his book the other day because Skip the Lion. He's got a great book called Skip the Lion. I got a chance to interview James when that book launched. Skipping the Lion, everyone thinks you need to have 10,000 hours to develop mastery. Then you can be the expert. Then you can do what I do and what you do. You need to have this degree. That's 10,000 hours. A lot of times it takes about 10 years to get that amount of hours typically. And don't get me wrong, like, you will have some mastery. But what James says is you don't need 10,000 hours. Matter of fact, you can skip the line in life and get way ahead if you just run 10,000 experiments. And so what he's talking about is go out. Yeah, you want to be an entrepreneur. I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, run an experiment. Test something. Try to whatever your kids are doing. If they Let's say it's a t-shirt business. Well, go out and make a t-shirt. See what happens. Launch it. You will learn so much more from that. You'll get feedback. And then when you get that feedback, take that feedback, run another experiment, get me more feedback, run another experiment. And the fastest way, the faster way you do that, your success curve. And again, if so, people are watching on video, the success curve typically looks like this, right? It's like a, this slow kind of stair step model. You, you, all right, I get this, then this happens, plateau, then this happens, then I plateau again. But if you keep running those 10,000 experiments, your success cycle looks like this, like little curly cues, because you just keep, and then you're going to go way faster to success. So that's my second advice. And then the last advice I would give anybody is what my good friend and mentor, Dave Meltzer, told me. If you don't know Dave Meltzer, he's amazing. And he has a book, new book out called Connected to Goodness. And Dave, he the, the movie Jerry Maguire was based on his sports firm. Dave, his, his story is he made $100 million, lost $100 million, and then made it all again. But when he made it back the second time, he really made it from this place of purpose. And what he told me is he said, Joel, I ask myself two questions every morning. And that is, number one, who can I help and who can help me? I think your kids, your sons need to ask yourselves that because one of the things I have a lot of difficulty with is asking who can help me. Because I think that's a sign of weakness. I'm not going to ask anybody for help. I'm just going to push through and get through this. But he said, Joel, people, you can't appreciate if people don't help you. Because the more they help you, then you appreciate. And then you go out and you help more people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow. So it's not selfish, really, that I'm asking for help. And so I would t definitely tell your kids, you know, who can they help and who can help them? And they will get there much faster. Awesome. 
Thank you, Joel, so much. I appreciate your your time and your experience and your, the wisdom that you've developed over the years and sharing all of that with my audience. Now, guys, I'm going to give you some places where you can go to get some more information about Joel, because this is wonderful. Now, of course, he has his podcast, The Hacked Life, or you can go on Instagram at Joel Evan Coaching. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. I try to make it really simple for folks because it's the same as my website. <laughs> and then you do have your website, which is Joel Evan Coaching. It's just www.joelevancoaching. Yeah. Make it simple. That is wonderful. <laughs> so guys, I'll tell you what, this has been an amazing episode with so much information that Joel has shared with us. Please take it and share it on your favorite social media sites. Uh, copy and paste it in text. Copy and paste it in email. Um, really just get the word out there. Maybe you know of a friend or a coworker or a relative that you think, oh my gosh, they absolutely need to hear what Joel Evan has to say, that it would just make such a difference in their life. So send it, send that to them, tell them about it so we can really grow our Phoenix and Flame community so we can reach out to one another as we're all pushing through and transforming, even sometimes when we feel like a pile of ash. So Joel, thank you once again for your Thanks, time Dana. with us. And guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame. <laughs>